Welcome, everyone, back to BAMS Radio uh, here on March the 9th on this Friday night. Uh, we took a week off last week, recharged our batteries, we're ready to go. Spring football just about 11 days away for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Nick Saban will, uh, you know, unbelievably uh, be starting his 12th season in Tuscaloosa. Uh, what a run it's been for Nick Saban as he continues uh, to rebuild his support staff. And we'll have uh, some, some things to talk about there here on the episode tonight. The real story is Avery Johnson and the basketball program. They were mired in a five-game losing streak to end the regular season. A lot of frustration around the program, a lot of negativity, and then it happened. Uh, As uh, we uh, saw yesterday, Colin Sexton with a magical moment, Antoine Petway-esque back in 2004 is what it brought up for me uh, against uh, Southern Illinois when he hit that shot in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Alabama goes on to their only Elite Eight appearance. Uh, he wins the game against Texas A&M at the buzzer. Uh, as Cecil Hurt tweeted out from Tidesports.com, 94 feet was essentially left in Alabama's season. If he doesn't make that shot, they're probably going to the NIT. But he makes it. Alabama was firmly on the bubble. And now today, they should be off of it as they rout the Auburn Tigers in the second half down 41-31 at halftime. Come back to win the game 81-63. Colin Sexton follows up a 27-point performance with 31 more points, seven rebounds. He breaks the scoring record of James Hollywood Robinson, probably my all-time favorite Alabama player, someone William Barger uh, went to school with. James, uh, of course, went on to an NBA career of several years, and it's apropos, William, as William Barger is with me along with Thomas Watts, that he scores 31 points, the number for James Hollywood Robinson uh, in this game today. What a moment for Alabama. <laughs> well, to follow up with what you said, I think it would be a little bit more appropriate to say that uh, me and Hollywood Robinson were uh, uh, dorm mates in Bryant Hall versus uh, schoolmates because neither one of us went to class very often. Um but, no, man, I mean, you know, Drew, we talked about this when, when Avery Johnson was first hired, and, you know, this will, you know, date my basketball knowledge. I mean, I, I'd never heard of the guy before. I, you know, I don't keep up with the NBA. I don't keep up with, you know, college basketball that much. But if you'll remember, um, you know, after I did a little bit of digging and found out that he grew up in, in the, you know, the housing projects of New Orleans, um, you know, went on to have a good career as a player in the NBA um, and, you know, and then as a coach in the NBA, you know, the first thing I told you was, you know, Hey, I, I don't know if this guy knows anything about X's and O's, but I can just tell from his background, uh, he's going to be able to recruit. He's already proven that. Um, and, you know, j- just, you know, me being a kind of a soft core watcher, um, I, I don't really have a, a huge buy-in or, um, you know, I don't live and die with a basketball program like I do with football. But, um, you know, I, I thought he was getting, you know, so, some, some, you know, some, some pointed criticism. But, you know, for all the people that were calling for his job, I thought that was a little bit over the top. And, you know, I think, you know, at times, you know, fans get a little bit emotional. I've never understood, um, you know, the dynamic of people getting on message boards during a football or a basketball game. and you know, play by play and, and, you know, somebody needs to be fired. I, you know, I feel sorry for people like that. I'm like, you know, do you, do you not have, you know, human beings that you watch these games with versus, you know, doing it online. But, um, you know, I thought Avery Johnson, 
um, especially in the last two days, um, you know, has dialed up some equity as far as his uh, position as the head basketball coach at Alabama. Um, you know, unbelievable. Uh, I don't think most people thought that they were going to beat Auburn today, much much less with the, uh, you know, the blowout victory that they had. And, you know, that, that puts all the pressure back on, you know, Bruce Pearl in the Auburn basketball program. Um, but what an unbelievable finish uh, today, um, you know, being down by 10 points at halftime and coming back out there and, and doing what they did in the second half. Um, you know, I thought it was unbelievable. And, you know, take your hat off to Avery Johnson and, and Colin Sexton and all those guys, um, you know, on that Alabama men's basketball team. What a great win for the program. Yeah, it was. And big storyline besides Colin Sexton has been Galen Smith and his inclusion in the starting lineup, the freshman's power forward center from Clinton, Mississippi. He's played very well, uh, you know, in the two games, had eight points uh, in the game and the win against Texas A&M, played very good defense. And then today uh, had uh, did a, a really nice job yet again against the Auburn Tigers. And as I told someone jokingly, you made reference to them struggling at the free throw line, William, and that's to be kind at times with Alabama. But I have to say, uh, Galen is a 23% free throw shooter, but today against Auburn, he was two of three. So as I told someone, if Galen Smith is making two free throws, Alabama is going to win. Uh, and so uh, it was, it was a, you know, a great win for the tide days on England put together back to back good performances. The only low light coming out of the game was injuries. Uh, you know, a slight knee injury to uh, Daniel Giddens early in the game as he came in as a sub and picked up two quick fouls, did not return, do not know his status for the game tomorrow. And then Dante Hall late in the game, uh, you know, was flipped over uh, Chuma Okiki trying to block a shot, hit his head on the court. And after watching it happen, I'm not optimistic uh, about him playing tomorrow. Nothing official from Alabama yet, but uh, I would say Herbert Jones recently missed the Texas A&M finale in the regular season with a concussion. I would not be surprised if the same happened with Dante Hall. If that's the case, uh, we're going to have to see m- more out of Galen Smith tomorrow. And then a, a young man you've talked about, Alex Reese, who has given him some minutes thus far, is going to have to play a bigger role. And then we'll see on Daniel Giddens. But Dante Hall could miss this next game, but Alabama should have him back for the NCAA tournament, I would think. But unfortunate last uh, part of that game for Alabama, losing Dante Hall, who had 11 more points today and might get the top play on Sports Center tonight as Colin Sexton got a steal. Uh, behind the back pass and a hammer dunk for Dante Hall uh, during that second half beatdown of the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, I was gonna, that was going to be the first thing that I asked you about if you had heard anything about uh, Dante Hall's availability for the game tomorrow. Um, you know, they, they've got a big uh, challenge ahead of them. You know, playing a, a you know a, a blue blood program like Kentucky in basketball, but. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think that, you know, Colin Sexton is, is kind of, you know, come into his own, um, you know, during this uh, SEC basketball tournament. You know, he, he's a, a guy that you can kind of, um, you know, put put the whole thing on his back. We'll see if he can continue that. But, you know, I think losing a guy like Dante Hall, who is a very dynamic player, if he's not available tomorrow, I think that's certainly something um, that puts Alabama at a disadvantage. Certainly does. Eight more points today for Galen Smith. He's really been uh, one of the key support guys for Alabama 
uh, really developed nicely as a freshman. Just needs to work on those free throws, but he did hit two out of three today, as we said. Uh, and uh, Dante, uh, in Dante Hall, we uh, we talked about it. Eleven points for him, fourteen for Dazon Ingram, and Braxton Key did play better today with nine points. Uh, he, they're going to need more out of him tomorrow. He got in foul trouble. John Petty uh, did not score in game one, but I thought played a good floor game. He rebounded well. He passed well. Uh, I thought he defended better today. Was able to score five points, made a couple of shots, had a couple of threes rim out where he could have been in double figures. So hopefully they're going to need more production out of him tomorrow also. And again, Alex Reese only played six minutes today uh, with two points, but he's going to need to play uh, much more tomorrow. And Herbert Jones, 14 minutes as he started the game today for John Petty, but he got in foul trouble. Ended up finishing the game, but had four fouls and was taken out of the game in the rhythm early. They're going to need some things out of Herbert tomorrow. Kentucky has put Alabama out in each of the first two years for Avery Johnson. Last year in the semifinals and in year one in the uh, in the quarterfinals. So we will see uh, Alabama going to try to get a win over Kentucky to make the finals. Colin Sexton has been the story nationally. 27 points in the first game, as we said. 31 points in the second. And this huge beatdown of Auburn and uh, should get Alabama into the NCAA tournament, which is definite progress uh, in Avery Johnson's, uh, you know, uh, uh, second se- or excuse me, third season. And the biggest thing right now is I do watch Colin Sexton throw it behind the back to Dante Hall is this. Auburn had a hell of a year. They won the SEC regular season title uh, for the third time in school history. But there's one thing that will stick in their craws until the end of time. And they'll always think about it. They lost two out of three to Alabama. Yeah, you bring up a good point, and that is something they will have a problem with. About that, and, and something else, you know, that we definitely don't have a problem with is Alabama football. Uh, they had their pro day this week, William. Uh, their first one, they'll have another one on March the 28th. The one storyline that came out of the combine. Uh, and uh, the uh, pro day, the only thing that kind of surprised me, and I, and I talked to a few people about this, including Mike Detillier today on my radio program from New Orleans, Louisiana, who is a draft guru. He said he doesn't, uh, doesn't raise any red flags with him. He believes he's still a solid first-round pick. But so far, Rashawn Evans has not run the 40. That's kind of surprised me, William. Well, I mean, I think he's probably nursing a hamstring injury. Um you know, if he doesn't run it, you know, at the end of this month, I think then there's probably going to be some people that talk about it. But, you know, let's let's be honest here. Um, you know, all these, you know, pro days and the combine and all that stuff, um, it's great window dressing. But at the end of the day, you know, NFL teams and their, and their GMs are looking for guys that are productive players. And I think it, uh, Rashawn Evans has proven, you know, he's a guy that, um, at least at the college level, you know, could slide inside and play inside linebacker on first and 10 situations. Um, you know, he's also a great edge rusher, um, you know, on second and long, third and long situations. But, you know, I think he's a guy, you know, if he doesn't go, you know, in the first round, you're not going to see too many teams uh, be scared to take him early in the second. Um, regardless of that, you know, he's going to get a nice – you know, signing bonus, Um, and, you know, as long as his body holds up, he's a guy that could play in the NFL, you know, for years. You know, one of the funniest things that I've heard, Drew, um, you know, about the NFL combine as far as, 
you know, Alabama players go um, relates back to Tony Brown. And, you know, it comes from, you know, somebody that is a, you know, an NFL draft guru and Mike Mayock. And they were talking to him about Tony Brown and his prospects for the NFL draft. And, you know, I thought it was, you know, kind of poignant. He, uh, he said, you know, best case scenario, um, regardless of where he's drafted, you know, this is somebody that, you know, if an if a NFL, you know, DB guru got a hold of him, um, you know, maybe he could be a productive, you know, corner or safety. Um, but worst case scenario, um, he's going to be the number one gunner on somebody's uh, punt coverage team for the next 10 years in the NFL and he'll have a productive career that way. So, uh, you know, good to hear that, you know, somebody like Tony Brown um, has proven to, you know, the NFL gurus that he has value in this draft, regardless of where he's taken, and, and you know, could have a long NFL career as a special teams player. Well, and I don't think anybody was surprised that Tony tested well. I mean, uh, he's a, as we know, he's an all-SEC and he really even Olympic-level track athlete. Uh, he ran, a, I think, about a, a four three five forty somewhere around that. Uh, not surprised at all. He vertical jumped very well. Uh, basically, Deion Sanders was bragging on him throughout about how he was handling things. Uh, and Tony, he his main problem is when they watched the film, he had trouble in coverage. Uh, but uh, you're right. I mean, he's a guy that could develop. Uh, he's not afraid to be physical. Uh, it should help him in special teams. The only thing, if I'm Tony Brown, that at least I don't want it to happen anytime soon is – Let's not have the kickoffs eliminated. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, that would certainly diminish his uh, value to the NFL. But, but, you know, at the same time, I think he is a, you know, a, kind of a shining star as far as, you know, what Nick Saban is able to do with the kids that he gets into the program. Um, you, you know, Tony's dad suffered a uh, – um, life-changing stroke when he was in the 10th grade. Um, you know, his mother was instrumental in getting him to Alabama with Nick Saban because of the relationship that she had built with Nick Saban when he was at LSU. And, you know, you just kind of have to, you know, take your hat off to, you know, both Nick Saban and, and, and Tony Brown and his family members, um, you know, at this point to where, Tony Brown is, is a football player. Um, he's got an opportunity to make a ton of money, um, you know, as an NFL special teams guy. And, you know, if that happens, um, you know, this is a guy, you know, Drew, he's such a phenomenal athlete. This is somebody that doesn't have a fear of going over to, you know, Deontay Wilder's gym and sparring with him, you know, the heavyweight champion of the world. You know, could, could he be a professional boxer? In my opinion, yes. Um, you know, could, could he have made the Olympic team um, in his four or five years at Alabama? Yes. Um, you know, could he be a guy that, you know, makes a living as an NFL special teams guy? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, that, that's just the kind of guys that Nick Saban goes out there and recruits, um, you know, to come to his program. And, you know, I think Nick Saban has done – just as good a job, and you know, again, you know, when I, when I made the comparison, you have to look at, you know, what Reuben Foster has done since he's left, you know, Nick Saban's control. He obviously hasn't done a very good job, 
But I think, you know, Tony Brown and Reuben Foster are both guys that you can say um, if they hadn't have been at Alabama, you know, what would have happened to them? And, you know, I think Tony Brown is doing a better job of managing himself and his availability for the NFL draft. Um, and hopefully, you know, Ruben will, you know, kind of get back to his roots and, you know, th- this stuff with the, uh, you know, domestic violence charges will go away, I hope. But, you know, Tony Brown's done a great job as far as marketing himself for uh, NFL teams that are looking for a guy that's very athletic, that can run a damn, you know, screaming 40-yard dash time. Um, you know, he could be a guy that, you know, kind of like a, a Bill Bates for the Dallas Cowboys in the 80s and 90s. Tony Brown could play special teams in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, I think Bill Bates played until he was 40 years old, or at least close to it. I mean, he, he played yep. for a long time, and, uh, and, and along with, you know, uh, with, uh, and uh, he's just one of the greatest, uh, as you said, William, one of the greatest special teams players of all time. And, uh, and he, uh, and uh, the name escapes me, but, uh, there was a, there was a, a guy that played for the Buffalo Bills forever. That was a great special teams player. And, uh, and, uh, they both, he and Bill Bates are, uh, both, uh, guys that, uh, kind of epitomize that, uh, that, uh, really, uh, that played for a de- over a decade and were, uh, just, and even Nick Saban's talked about having them in Cleveland, having guys that, uh, uh, that were uh, that, that were uh, uh, special teams just uh, centric and uh, were big parts of the football program. And speaking of special teams, wanted to bring that up, William. I know you probably saw that today. Uh, interesting, in my opinion, very much so. Uh, with the with uh, Nick Saban, he continues to rebuild his organization uh, and continues uh, to uh, you know uh, re- rebuild the off field and the analyst positions. Uh, we know he's hired uh, the son of Kevin Steele to take uh, William Vallejos's job with the offensive line. And Matt Zinitz, the sports writer of the year in Alabama at AL.com, first reported today, and we talked about it on Talking Ball, uh, that he's hired a special teams analyst to work with Jeff Banks, and that is former LSU fullback August Mangan, who's just 31 years old. Your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I think it's, you know, all a part of, you know, Nick Saban's magic. I mean, he, you know, I, I think, Drew, when he was sitting here this time last year, and, you know, he's looking at his coaching staff, um, I think they got away from, you know, being aggressive as far as recruiters were concerned. He had some really good um, X's and O's guys on the staff. But, you know, he, he made some really drastic moves in the off season. Um, you know, hiring Coach Cool from Miami, uh, you know, hiring Gaddis from Penn State, um, you know, hiring uh, uh, Pete Golding, and, you know, getting guys that have these relationships in certain geographic parts of the country. And I think you're going to see that play dividends for, for, you know, both Nick Saban and the Alabama football program going forward. Um you know, uh, Pete Golding has already gone down into Mississippi and Louisiana and, and caused huge problems for, um, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and then, you know, Coach O at LSU. And I expect that to keep up. Um, you, you know, a lot of people don't want to really, um, you know, give Nick Saban his due, in my opinion, um, as far as being the greatest of all time college football head coach, which he is. 
But, he, he, you know, I think the guy, you know, one of the things that he does better than anything is hitting the reset button with his coaching staff and getting guys in there that can breathe life into the program. Um, you know, one guy that you've already touched on, Jeff Banks, um, you know, Gaddis, uh, Golding, uh, Tosh Lapoy, those are all guys that are very active on social media. And, you know, we're not seeing, um, you know, that so far as far as the 2019 class is concerned with public commitments. But I think they have positioned themselves into, you know, being, you know, putting themselves into a position where they can get or at least be in a position for the number one recruiting class in the country for 2019. Yeah, they are. And as a matter of fact, I, I covered the Alabama Southern Miss baseball game on Wednesday, a three to nothing win for Alabama over the number 15 team in the country. And I uh, went down to, to get some food in the seventh inning, uh, got back on the elevator, Pete Golding and family uh, welcomed coach to Tuscaloosa. So Pete was taking in some, uh, uh, some baseball and uh, his, I know hopefully they're uh, getting all settled in for their first spring practice. As we said, uh, just about 11 days away. Uh, very, everyone's very excited uh, to see, you know, what this uh, new coaching staff can do uh, with this uh, football program and where they can take it. Uh, a lot of uh, things being said already about the quarterback position. And I know William uh, speaking of quarterbacks, I think we saw it's been well-documented Jalen Hurts response to Charles Barkley. Well done. <laughs> well, you know, the thing that I loved about it more than anything was, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, Jalen wearing that number 26 jersey um, for Auburn was, you know, kind of a tribute to, um, you know, Auburn, you know, beating Alabama um, with, with that score. But, you know, what, what that was was a, a, you know, shade getting thrown at Kirby Smart over the national championship game. And, you know, you got to give Jalen Hurts credit. Number one, he stepped up to the plate, honored the bet that he made with Charles Barkley. Um, but I don't think it's any real big secret that number two was wearing a number 26 jersey, and it was second and 26 in the national championship game when Jalen Hurts uh, – best friend and teammate, Tua Tungavaloa, uh, completed that touchdown pass to uh, De uh, Devonta Smith uh, in that game. So, you know, I, well, you know, Drew, there's going to be a lot of nasty stuff posted on the Internet, um, you know, starting, you know, a week from Tuesday when, when they kick off spring practice. And, you know, the thing that really kind of kills me is, uh, you know, people don't really understand, um, you know, what Nick Saban values. I'm going to sit here and tell you right now. I expect uh, somewhere between next Tuesday and maybe the fourth game of the season um, that Tua Tungvaloa is going to be the starting quarterback at Alabama. That That's just me. But well, what, what, what really is going to befuddle – Alabama fans is they don't really understand how Nick Saban does things. He's not going to name Tua Tungavaloa QB1 on the first day of spring practice. Um, 
and again, that wouldn't be a prudent decision. And you know, Nick Saban's smarter about football than all the rest of us are combined. But you know, that that QB job is going to be dragged out probably until uh, the third or fourth game of the season. Um, then you'll see it happen. Um, you know, could could Jalen Hurts improve enough as a passer um, to hold off to a tongue of a low? I don't think so. But people don't really understand why Nick Saban went with Jalen Hurts last year as long as he did, and it's, you know, the mistakes that are made. And, you know, one guy made less than the other, even though one guy was more talented as a passer than the other. But, you know, that's why we do this, you know, podcast. That's why we talk about it. Um, but I do think it's, it's something that is very funny to me um, to sit back and watch it all play out. There's going to be people that are, you know, not happy about it, that, that it plays out. And I'm going to sit back and laugh at them all. Absolutely. And no one's going to be surprised. I mean, he will not name a starter until the fall. He's going to let them compete. Uh, you know, and Gardner Minshew's not going to be there until May, so he won't be a part of it. Uh, so they're going to compete, and we'll see what happens. We'll see Mac Jones as well, uh, and uh, we'll see uh, what young players are, have stepped up and improved. I think that's what everybody's wanting to see. And I've got to ask you, though, William, uh, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name. Uh, what are your thoughts? Because we're hearing that there may be a visit coming up in the near future about Alabama perhaps finding a junior college defensive tackle, the same junior college uh, from that uh, was attended by Dominic Jackson, former right tackle for Alabama out in California. He had spent, uh, from what I understand, a year at another California junior college uh, before uh, deciding to transfer and uh, spend his sophomore year uh, playing uh, college football. Uh, and uh, and really doing a nice job. I'll try best I can. He's from San Mateo Juco, Tavita Musakia, uh, who is a Samoan uh, 6'1", 330 pound nose. And William, as we know, this class in that was signed this past February probably was one short on the interior defensive line. But your thoughts on Alabama perhaps finding someone to fill a need? Ah, uh, you know, I hope they add him to the class, Drew. I mean, I think the guys. Um, you know, probably not a, a front-line starter for an SEC program, but I think he can probably help with depth. Um, you know, and, and Alabama's going into the spring, um, you know, looking for that guy that's going to be, you know, somebody that can be a, a Duran Payne-type player, and, and certainly this guy kind of falls into that mold. Um, you know, he's a you know, a, a zero technique nose guard, a three tech, you know, technique defensive tackle. You know, I think he can help the program, um, you know, much in the same way that, you know, Josh Frazier backed up Deron Payne last year. I, th I think he's, you know, I think he brings, you know, some value um, to the table as far as what his uh, position would be for Alabama this year. And, you know, they're, they're you know, they've got guys like, you know, Raquan Davis, uh, Quinnen Williams, um, you know, Fedarian Mathis. You know, there's some guys up there that can certainly fill Duran Payne's, um, you know, position. But, you know, finding somebody like this guy that you're talking about um, in looking at his film, yeah, I think he could help him. Um, 
you know, he could factor in on the back end, like, you know, a guy like Johnny Dwight. I think he could help them from a depth temp, uh, depth standpoint. Yeah, he would. I think he could fill a need and uh, be a guy that can play in the middle. I liked his film. I thought it was good. You know, I sent it to two or three other people. Uh, and I had, of course, I had heard your take on it, but the feedback I got was really good. Uh, but they'll be uh, checking on that. I know uh, Coach Kuligowski has already been, uh, you know, in touch with him, I believe. I uh, don't really know his backstory yet as to why he didn't sign in February. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, Alabama looking like uh, they are uh, going to take a long look at this young man, uh, and we will see. We haven't heard of any other names as far as graduate transfers as of yet, uh, so we'll have to see on that. Uh, and then we will monitor that as needed, no question. But to get back to the combine and uh, uh, talk a little bit more about that, William, we talked about Tony Brown, uh, you know, and how, that he's helped himself. Uh, Deron Payne, who you were, uh, uh, who you've always been high on since he got to Alabama and reshaped his body. Quite frankly, he put on a freak show, and now will probably go in the top twenty in the draft. Uh, is one of the top two defensive tackles overall. Uh, running a 495 at 311 pounds. Uh, you know, this is not the, uh, you know, it's football. You don't, uh, you know, why a 40 yard dash is a big deal for a defensive lineman is, uh, you know, beyond me. But still, he was good on the bench press. He, he checked off all the boxes. Deron Payne looks like he definitely made the right move. No, absolutely. You know, and I hate it for Alabama, but at the same time, um, I'm happy for Deron Payne. Um, he's going to get paid, and he's going to get paid well. Um, d- done a great job in the off season with, with, you know, where he's gone to work on, um, you know, his draft stock. Um, uh, you know, if you'd have asked me in September, um, you know, was Deron Payne going to, you know, be in this position? I'd have said no. But, you know, man, he, he manned up at the later part of, of the season and, and did some great things in the college football playoffs, uh, certainly the national championship game. Um, you know, the guy's an elite player. Um, you, you can go back and watch the uh, 2015 uh, Alabama-Georgia game over in Athens when, when Jack Coker was the quarterback. And Deron Payne just wrecked that whole Georgia offensive line. Um, he's continued to do that. He's a guy that, um, you know, people, you know, look at and they're like, well, you know, what's this guy going to do? Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to get paid um, for being a top 20 draft pick. You know, if he, if he filters out uh, after that, uh, then somebody got a value-added draft pick. Um, unbelievable kid, um, got, got a great work ethic. Um, I can't say enough positive things about Deron Payne. He's, you know, when he came to Alabama, um, you know, he was a little bit overweight. Uh, Scott Cochran, you know, kind of peeled that weight off of him and turned him into a one-man wrecking crew. You know, there's nobody in this draft, if, if I'm an NFL GM, there's nobody in this draft that I can see um, that does a better job of disrupting an opposing offense better than Deron Payne. Um, and I hope he gets paid for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to say, too, that uh, Bill Smith, his coach, and uh, who's now at Munford, uh, who was at Shades Valley, former Alabama punter, had told me he was the uh, strongest kid 
that he had ever coached, and he certainly lived up to that uh, and was uh, just uh, had a tremendous three years at Alabama. Uh, and it's funny, another three-year year, tremendous career was Minka Fitzpatrick. I, I talked to, once again, Mike Dettelier this morning about Minka Fitzpatrick, and I'll tell you the name that he brought up uh, that really uh, made me smile when he talked about Minka because he got to know this guy because he's from Destrehan, Louisiana. He grew up near the same area as Mike Dettelier, and will probably he he will be up for the Hall of Fame next year. Many people believe he's the greatest free safety to ever play football. I certainly do. He's the best that I ever personally saw in college in the NFL. But he compared Minka Fitzpatrick William to Ed Reed. Wow, what a huge compliment! Yeah, that's a tremendous compliment. Uh, he said he had the same kind of instincts, football IQ. He talked about the kind of the way uh, Ed Reed would watch film and his habits, uh, and just uh, just a tremendous compliment uh, to Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, great stuff uh, from him. Uh, as uh, he uh, really uh, thinks Minka, he has him in the top three on his board, thinks he will be a top five pick, and I think everybody believes that. Uh, but uh, it, it also looks like uh, that I know it was first reported a four four eight. I think it was later changed to a four six three, uh, but still tested well with the vertical. Uh, Levi Wallace did pretty well at the combine, and his story looks like he could have another chapter, William, that he's going to go from a walk-on uh, to an NFL draft choice. Really a great story. Yeah, it is. And, I, you know, I think he's a guy that, you know, people, you know, look at, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, um, very long, um, you know, has long arms, has good speed. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that, um, you know, I'm going to get danged for saying this, but uh, a guy that like Jeremy Pruitt would really hone in on um, as a recruit. Um, you know, he did a great job for Alabama this past season. I think, you know, one of the one of the things that really amazed me about Alabama's season this past year was watching, you know, Anthony Averett on one side of the defensive back end and uh, Levi Wallace on the other. Um, two great players, and I think they both have, um, you know, the potential to have good, productive NFL careers. They do, and I want to bring up uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorites of all time, and your former teammate Antonio Langham. What a great player he was for Alabama, and I know they've talked about Levi Wallace not having track speed, but Antonio didn't have track speed either. But he had unbelievable instincts and ball skills, which is what Levi's got. I know uh, Levi had to overcome more as a walk-on. Uh, but Levi Wallace had a great uh, senior season, had the best ball skills on the team, really, and has a chance to continue his career on the, in the National Football League, which is really stunning considering what's happened the last year and a half. And we look forward to that and continuing uh, to follow his process. And looks like Bo Scarborough also tested well, William, and impressed some NFL coaches. Not surprised there. He's built like a million dollars. You know, you've talked to uh, players around the program that thought he was a first-round pick when he first got to Alabama. The main things that have hurt Bo, as always, is the durability. Uh, but he's still a guy that I think is a third- or fourth-round pick and have a very productive pro career should he stay healthy. Yeah, you know, Drew, I think the thing that, you know, we all have to, you know, kind of guard against is when we're talking about these players, um, 
you know, is one guy going to go in the first round? Is another guy going to go in the third round? Um, you know, once you get past, you know, the number 20 player, um, you know, taken in the NFL draft, you know, the money goes, you know, by the wayside real quickly. So, uh, you know, is, is you know, Averett going to go in the top 20? Probably not. Um, you know, is, is Tony Brown going to go in top 20? Probably not. But if they can stick and, get you know, get that second contract, that's life-changing money. And there's a lot of guys that come out of Alabama that, you know, get that distinction, you know, from NFL GMs. And, you know, they get, you know, they get that. And, you know, they make a lot of money. So, um, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, Anthony Averett was a guy that, um, you know, showed up slow and, um, you know, didn't do a lot of things his first couple of years, but did a lot of good things his his last two years. And, you know, those guys are going to get their chance to um, parade their talents for the NFL. And I thought Deshaun Hand really equi- uh, did a nice job, 48340, uh, did a nice job on the bench. His deal was he just, for whatever reason, he did get hurt this year, but he never had the productivity people were looking for as the number one player in the country coming out of Virginia. But he, he's another guy, say he goes in the fourth or fifth round, that I think with the right organization could be a very productive rotation defensive lineman. No, absolutely. And, and you know, you know, I look at Deshaun Hand the same way that I look at Ben Davis. You know, it's not those guys' fault that they got, you know, named by a guy named Mike Farrell as, as the number one player in the country. Um, Deshaun Hand's going to have a productive NFL career. Um, we're still waiting to see if, if Ben Davis has a productive career at Alabama. But, you know, th- there shouldn't be, like, one guy that says, you know, this is – the gospel, and this is what happens. Um, you know, I think that, you know, like you, Drew, I think Deshaun Han is now being looked at as, you know, a three-technique defensive tackle. Um, you know, he's strong, he's quick, he's got a good first step. But, you know, retro looking back on it now, um, you know, the kid should have never been labeled the number one player in the country for – his his recruiting class. That's true. You know, and then those rankings are subjective, but Deshaun can still, and he got his degree. He's a very good student, uh, can have a, a really nice yep. pro career. And the one thing I was surprised, William, and I know you know this gentleman well, and he had a really good last two years in career. Now, he did do well at Alabama's Pro Day, did well on the bench. I think hopefully he's going to start proving some people wrong because I think they've really questioned his athleticism. But I was really surprised Bradley Bozeman wasn't part of pro, uh, the uh, combine and the contingent from Alabama. No, he's a guy that, you know, depending on what team that takes him, um, I, you know, I think he's probably a better mauler, you know, than an athlete. Um, he could play in the NFL for 15 years. 
Yeah, he's got uh, he if he with the right team is a uh, at least as a backup can play both guard positions and center. Could still have a really productive career. Alabama's had a great run of centers uh, that uh, not talked about as much as uh, of course the DBs, uh, the linebackers, and the running backs and all those skill guys and the wide receivers that Alabama's churned out to the NFL. But they've had very very good center play. Uh, since uh, uh, Antoine Caldwell was the first of many and went on to an NFL career for Nick Saban uh, over his, his decade plus in Tuscaloosa. So I think Bradley Bozeman can follow him. Bozeman's a high character guy. At the pro day, he was 298 pounds. He, he's, I think he's down from around 330. So he's dropped some weight trying to improve his agility and athleticism. So Bradley Bozeman is always putting in the work, a captain for Alabama, and it meant a lot for him. Uh, to wear the crimson jersey, uh, no question about it. And uh, as we wind down this BAMS radio tonight on this Friday, uh, Mississippi State now uh, down 38-30 to Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's controlling this game. Uh, as we already talked about, Kentucky eliminated the Georgia Bulldogs, Alabama, and the uh, Kentucky Wildcats tomorrow at noon on ESPN uh, to the SEC tournament semifinals. Can Alabama continue this great run? in the tournament and uh, continue to uh, be a part of March Madness in the tournament bracket. We will see. We believe that's strongly the case that they're in now, but want to continue to win games. It would be great for Avery Johnson, the group, to beat Kentucky. Uh, but, William, uh, uh, recruiting is still in its infancy right now for Alabama in the 2019 class, but they had both of their top uh, quarterback targets from in-state on campus last week. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, both Paul Tyson and, uh, baby two are going to, going to both be a part of this class. Um, uh, you know, me, me, you know, you're talking to me. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a baby two guy. I think he's just as good as his brother. Um, you know, take Paul Tyson, you know, do what you got to do. But I, I think Baby Tua is the, the, the real shining star um, as a quarterback prospect. You know, you can't get Bo Nix. He's going to Auburn. But I think Baby Tua is just as good as his brother. Yeah, Talia, a very talented player. Only difference, he's right-handed. And uh, Tua Tangovaloa is left-handed and is looking to have a stranglehold on the quarterback position and will be – breaking down recruiting uh, and spring practice more as uh, we uh, talk, uh, as we uh, uh, bring you BAMS radio each week. But uh, it's been a, a great show for us today. We've really enjoyed uh, bringing you uh, the, uh, of course, a little bit of talk about Alabama basketball uh, with Avery Johnson and their, and the, their guys really stepping up and showing a lot of mental toughness to win that Texas A&M game, and then to have the second half they did. Much reminiscent of the second half against Florida and Gainesville. I was fortunate to be at that game and cover that as the University of Alabama beat Florida, and in Florida may now be the favorite in this tournament. They don't play until tonight against Arkansas. It's the 3-6 game, the last game of the day. Uh, but right now, I, you know, I hope Alabama can continue this run. They haven't won the SEC tournament since 1991 during the days of James Hollywood Robinson. I have not played in the finals since 2002. Bo Williams uh, and uh, Erwin Dudley, they lost, I think, by two points to Mississippi State and Mario Austin. It was a tough loss, uh, but Alabama went on to be a two-seed that year and losing the second round to Kent State and Stan Heath. And the trivia question I answered on, trivi- on uh, Twitter this week is, 
the uh, who was Kent State's best player in that game in 2002. He had not played college football, and he did not play it in high school. But it was a six foot six left-handed power forward, Mr. Antonio Gates, dropped over 20 on Alabama to knock them out of the tournament, right. and he will be in Canton, Ohio as a Hall of Famer, had a great career, all with the San Diego Chargers and Phillip Rivers, also from our community in North Alabama at Athens. So hopefully Alabama can get back into the NCAA tournament and make some memories, no doubt about it. But, William, we always appreciate your time on BAMS Radio. Have a great night, bud, and a great weekend, and we'll talk with you next week. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. That's William Redfish Barger. Uh, just uh, and I, I want, before we go we wrap up our BAMS radio, I just wanted to have some thoughts on the baseball program too. That uh, they did lose today in their Friday night opener, three to nothing uh, to New Mexico State. Uh, but they uh, they uh, you know are battling tonight in the second game of the doubleheader. They are eleven and three thus far, and you can't overstate uh, what Brad Bohannon took over. Uh, Brad Bohannon uh, took over a program that was coming off maybe the worst year in school history under Greg Goff. They of course, the only series they won last year in the SEC was the sweep of Auburn. Uh, we, they uh, they uh, came in with low expectations, but the other night they shut out a top 15 team in Southern Mississippi. Uh, they've been able to well, – they were they, they had a, uh, a nine-game winning streak until tonight at home coming in. They've played much better baseball, fundamentals much better. Uh, the pitching has been a surprise so far. They still don't have a lot of depth on the mound. Uh, but uh, with uh, Jason Jackson coaching the pitchers, Jerry Zuli the hitters, uh, Brad Bohannon at the helm, I think they've got some great recruiters there. I've been very impressed thus far uh, with some of their moves and moving the players around, a lot of the returnees. Uh, you've got guys like Chandler Avant, who's been tearing the cover off the ball at second base, who's done a very nice job. The senior from Troy, who had been a shortstop but was really playing out of position, now more at his natural position at second, uh, really having a nice year thus far. Uh, also, uh, you've got uh, the uh, they've had they're much better up the middle. They've got a freshman catcher, Sam Prater from Helena near in Birmingham, who's a very good player, uh, who young player who has been very solid behind the plate, nice arm defensively, uh, and then a big addition, Jet Manning at shortstop, who uh, has been very good defensively and has been a little bit of a surprise with his bat thus far, uh, and then they've been uh, Joe Bro and Walker McClaney, and Walker McClaney is the brother of Haley McClinney, really maybe the greatest softball player in Alabama history. Uh, he's been playing some center field, uh, and they so they're much better up the middle this year. They've been playing much better defense. Kobe Vance has moved from second to third, and the junior has done uh, from Fayetteville, North Carolina, has done a very nice job. Uh, they've, they've had Hunter Alexander and Cody Henry and John Trousdale kind of rotating at first in DH, and those guys have been solid. Of course, two of those guys, Alexander and Henry, are seniors, but Still, they, it's an experienced group. They want to win, and hopefully they'll bounce back and get a couple from New Mexico State after dropping that first game tonight. But still, baseball is a marathon, not a sprint, and a very promising beginning uh, for the University of Alabama thus far. And Keith Holcomb has been a huge part of it, hitting well over 400 thus far. At one time, hitting uh, over 650. Uh, Nick Saban threw out the first pitch on Wednesday, and I was joking with the coaches that, Maybe he was telling Keith, hey, you know, keep doing a great job, but, you know, maybe you might, you know, kind of hope, we hope you cool off a little bit because we need you back. Because Keith Holcomb, I think his long-term future on the pro level could be as a baseball player. He's a five-tool guy, can really run, might be the fastest guy. And he's really uh, settled, been settling in in left field. Chandler Taylor, the returnee the, with a, the power bat, is uh, the right fielder. 
And as we said, Joe Burrow and Walker McClaney have been playing a lot of center field for Alabama. But uh, like I say, we a very promising beginning so far. Uh, you know, they've got uh, they've got a chance to have a good year. Uh, the SEC play is really going to tell us a lot because the pitching has, uh, you know, may lack depth, but you want to, you know, continue to compete and uh, get better. And it's only going to get uh, – everything's only – the program is only going to go up because of the facilities and the recruiting that Brad Bohannon and his staff are going to do. But I think some bright days are ahead for Alabama baseball. I had, a you know, a bad feeling about halfway through pre-conference around this time last year uh, with Greg Goff. Uh, but with Brad Bohannon, it's a completely different feel. Uh, this coaching staff is young, hungry, and I think they're putting some pieces in place for some bright days to be uh, uh, to be uh, you know ahead for Bama baseball. And th- those of you in the Birmingham and Tuscaloosa area, I highly and you know to, uh, recommend uh, coming out to to watch them play. Great facility uh, in the new Joe, the third year for the new baseball stadium. Not a bad seat in the house, uh, and then watch a baseball team that now looks like uh, they can play. Uh-huh fundamental college baseball and college baseball is a great sport to watch not as fast as softball but still really fun a great atmosphere and just want to congratulate brad bohannon and his staff for the hot start uh, thus far and now uh, again as we're wrapping up this bams radio we will be following closely the uh, university of alabama tomorrow against kentucky uh, alabama will play kentucky at noon tomorrow in the semifinals of the sec tournament and as we're about to sign off, Tennessee had a nice lead, but the Mississippi State Bulldogs are rallying. They have, are now going to the line for an and one. They are within four. So Tennessee's the second seed. Mississippi State's the seven. Mississippi State's going to have to win this tournament to get into the NCAAs. So a lot of people around the country, a lot of bubble teams, are really rooting for Tennessee to knock Mississippi State out. Uh, but uh, right now it's a tight game. There have been a lot of good games in the SEC tournament uh, so far. So got to give a lot of credit. Uh, to Alabama for winning two games, looking like hopefully they're going to get off the bubble, and we hope Colin Sexton and everybody's magic continues. But as we said earlier to kick off the show, not optimistic about Dante Hall playing tomorrow. I think there's a much better chance we'll see Daniel Giddens play. Uh, Hopefully that knee injury was just a slight tweak. But regardless, you're going to see a lot more of Galen Smith, who's already been starting, and Alex Reese, the freshman from Pelham, is really going to have to step it up and you need Herbert Jones and Braxton Key. They were in foul trouble today to stay out of foul trouble, be productive against UK. This is a good Kentucky team, very talented, uh, but it's one that I think the University of Alabama can have a lot of success against. Uh, they almost beat them in Rupp. We're within three points, two or three points with three minutes to go uh, before some turnovers and some uh, mistakes down the stretch led to a 10-point Kentucky win. But I think Alabama can definitely play with Kentucky. I think you know Avery Johnson relishes – playing against John Calipari, uh, and uh, we'll see what they can do tomorrow. But it's been a great run so far for Colin Sexton uh, and uh, also in Dazon Ingram. They've kind of been leading the way, and they're going to need a, some more help tomorrow probably. Uh, we may need to see Braxton Key play just a little bit better, Galen Smith to keep it up, or as we said, Herbert Jones, uh, and John Petty. John Petty had five today. Hopefully maybe John, he had 13 in Rupp Arena can start making some shots. If Petty can have a breakout game, that could be the key to getting Alabama to the finals. Uh, but uh, we will see. And if Alabama were to make the final, they would also be at noon on Sunday. Uh, so keep that in mind as the weekend is going to unfold. But uh, we just wanted to thank everyone for listening to BAMS Radio. Thomas Watts, as always, does a great job as the wizard behind the curtain. I want to thank William Redfish Barger 
from 89 to 93, an offensive lineman and national champion for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and still keeps up with the program very closely. And we want to thank all of our listeners. We know we've been growing in numbers. We thank you. We'll be coming to you again next week. Everybody enjoy your weekend. And I'm, as a, I'm going to sign off for William and Thomas. I'm your host, Rudy Armin. Good night and roll tide.